Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here. I bring blessings and greetings from your sisters and brothers at Westminster Presbyterian Church. Some are here today. And uh, Rob is preaching at Westminster this morning, and I'm with you at Lightshine. And I have the better deal because I only preach once, (laughs) and he's preaching twice, and his beloved is here, so blessings to all. Our gospel reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Let us continue to listen for God's word to us. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please, if you then will worship me. It will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. (coughs) Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable, be pleasing to you. We worship, we sing. We pray, we listen through Christ, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We began last Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, this season of Lent. Lent from the Germanic Lent's springtime. Lent is the 40-day period before Easter. From as early as the 3rd century, Christians have set aside this time of preparation for Easter, originally shorter, Lenten became 40 days, mirroring the 40 days of temptation for Jesus in the wilderness and the 40 years of wandering for Israel. Lent is a time of fasting and prayer that excludes Sundays in commemoration of the resurrection. Lent is a time of soul-searching and repentance It's a season of reflection and taking stock. Lent is a time when the faithful rededicated themselves and when from the earliest days of the church, converts were instructed in the faith and prepared for baptism. So here at 
Light Shine, we encourage you to use these days to draw closer to Christ. You may wish to read the daily Bible readings found in a morning or evening devotional at Westminster, and I think I have about three or four more copies. We are passing out a Lewis and Nowen daily devotional. You may reflect on a few verses each day from the last days of our Lord's life, starting maybe in John 12 or Mark 14, or you may use the Psalms as personal prayers. Some people give up something in Lent. Some people give toward something in Lent. My friend Liz is taking a box a day out of her home and recycling it or sending it off to the Goodwill or Salvation Army. So she must have 40 boxes of stuff at her home. (laughs) On this first Sunday in Lent, the scripture lessons from both Deuteronomy and Luke teach us what it means to call upon God. In Deuteronomy 26, Moses instructs the people that when they remember, when they commemorate their deliverance, their freedom from oppression in Egypt, when they have full baskets in hand, thanking God at the altar of worship, they are to tell their story in this way. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor, probably a reference to Jacob, whose sons and finally Jacob himself traveled down to Egypt only to find long-lost son Joseph. From those humble beginnings, Israel remembered that God made them a great nation, mighty and populous. And when the Egyptians saw their threatening power and their numbers, the Egyptians treated their sons and daughters of Jacob, whose name God changed to Israel, treating them harshly, imposing hard labor. It was then that Israel's children cried to the Lord, called out to the God of their ancestors, and when they did call out to their God, Moses reminded them that the Lord heard our voice. And the Lord saw our affliction, our toil, our oppression. Remember, you at the altar, with your baskets in hand, giving back the fruit of your labors. Remember that the Lord brought you out of Egypt and brought you to this place, this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I give you, O Lord, Israel was the promise, the first fruits of the ground that you have given me. They were to say this, And this would be Israel's call and the people's prayer throughout their history. The exodus was the deliverance from Egypt. The exodus was Israel's meta-event. When they were faithful, they called upon God. And when they called upon God, they remembered. And the history of Israel's faithfulness and the many sad stories of the decline of God's people were predicated on Israel praying and Israel remembering. So this is a wonderful season for us in Lent, 2017, when we as Christians remember our exodus from chains and consequences of sin, when we remember the cross, we pray for ourselves and for our needy world, and when we pray, we remember our meta-story, our great story of deliverance at Christ's cross and resurrection. Today we are also looking at the temptations of Jesus from Luke 4, 1 to 13. Mark's temptation account is most brief. Mark 1, 12 and 13, and the Spirit immediately drove him out in the wilderness, 
And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts. And the angels waited on him. That's all Mark's Gospel says about the temptations. Matthew and Luke expand the temptation story to their particular versions, and John does not mention the event. The author of Hebrews, however, reflects on the temptations theologically, and we're going to come back to Hebrews in a moment. There are some interesting and understandable differences between the accounts of Matthew 4, 1-11, and Luke 4, 1-13. In Luke's text, Jesus is led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. And there, fasted 40 days and nights, and he was famished. All defenses down. Jesus comes into the temptations of his life and ministry with his strength at its lowest and weakest. And the first temptation is personal. If you are the Son of God, Satan taunts, command these stones to become loaves of bread. This would be a private act. It would meet our Lord's physical need, hunger. The miracle would harm no one. And the background to our Lord's response, one does not live by bread alone, is from the mouth of Moses in Deuteronomy 8.3. And there Moses is explaining the gift of manna that God gave Israel. The gift of manna. The bread that comes from heaven. Not just to feed them, One does not live by bread alone, said Moses, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if God's Son, Jesus, needs God's bread first and human bread last, how much more do we? So we need bread for the journey. And one source of bread of life is the bread of the Word. We need to weekly, better, daily, read, Meditate, reflect on the scriptures. Maybe just a paragraph or two each morning. And if you are not a morning person, I am not a morning person, then read in the evening. And the days I miss reading scripture, and I do miss, those are not full and rich days for me. If we ask, give us this day our physical daily bread in the Lord's Prayer, How much more do we need spiritual bread equally and daily as important, as critical to our Christian faith? Read the word. Read the word. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Second temptation, and this is a political temptation. In an instant, the devil showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world. And the tempter said to him, To you I will give their glory and all its authority, for it has been given to me, and I will give it to anyone I please, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And the backdrop is Israel's desire to be like its neighbors, to worship their gods, to have a king like their kings. And now, Jesus, all neighbors, all kings, all authority will be yours. And Jesus replies, again, from Deuteronomy 6, 13, Jesus answered the devil, It is written, Worship the Lord your God alone, and serve only Him. That one verse says two things. The devil and those of his realm are not desiring of anyone's honor, let alone worship. 
And two, the only one that we are to worship and honor and serve is the Lord our God. So what's your political temptation? Maybe our political temptation for people of faith is not to get involved in the political process right now. It's simply easier to do nothing. It's my prayer that we won't do that. In the Caneo Valley, faith groups are speaking up and speaking out on behalf of immigrants and refugees and all who are marginalized in our world today. I commend you to act politically as well as spiritually in our life of faith. Third temptation, and this temptation is religious. The devil took Jesus to Jerusalem. In fact, you can go to the old city today and still see the traditional spot. Placed him on the pinnacle of the temple. This time the devil uses scripture. If Jesus is God's son, then he can force God to prove it and protect him from Psalm 91. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and that on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And the third time, Jesus uses Deuteronomy. It's Moses again warning that God should not be tested. Israel tried in the past to test God, and they failed. Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to a test. And Luke concludes his story with a very provocative line, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until, remember, an opportune time. That's a very enigmatic statement. Jesus overcame a personal temptation, stones to bread. Jesus overcame a political temptation, all authority will be yours, simply worship. And Jesus overcame a religious temptation, if you are God's son, jump and test God. So what's your religious temptation? Mine is this. There are times, perhaps many times, that I try to orchestrate my future instead of trusting God with it. And I should know better by now because for most of my career, where I thought, where I planned I would be toward the close of 23 interim pastorates, <laughs> where I thought I would be six months hence, I wasn't. Every time, your future, Lightshine's future, WPC's six months from today may be planned by you and me and committees, Presbyterians love committees, but those plans are controlled by a sovereign, gracious God who promised to Jeremiah of old in chapter 29, the plans I have for you are for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. So what's the takeaway from this temptation story sermon? Why'd you get up here? Why'd you brush your teeth? Hope you did. <laughs> Why'd you stay awake during this sermon? Two gospel truths to close with, and they're worth hearing not because Pastor Charles finished up this sermon late last night, but they are truths about a very little mentioned reference to the temptation story of Jesus outside the Gospels. Remember the author of Hebrews talks about the temptations theologically. And the first truth is this, especially for people of Christian faith, 
faith facing temptations. Hebrews 2.18 says, Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those being tested. He is able to help those being tested. And that's the first truth. Christ is able to help in our temptations. Whether it's personal or political or religious, Christ is able to help. So what in your character or your actions during Lent are you going to need God's help? I'm going to work on gentleness and encouragement and boldness. What are you going to work on? Secondly, from Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, we have a high priest, says the author, who has been tested as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ is able to help and Christ secondly invites us to boldly pray for grace. You know, your temptations and my temptations are really quite small. The large and great majestic picture here is of Jesus. The able Christ and the inviting Christ. Invite the able Christ to help as we invite you to this table of grace so that we may not be led into temptation, so that we may be delivered from evil. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the promises of our God abide forever. Amen.